Hello, Phoenix LeFay. How are you doing? That is not what you said we were going to do. I asked if you remembered how we started these shows, and we always start with me saying hello, and you saying something like, I'm groovy, and then I say, groovy? That's a weird word. No, you said, I'm going to say, I'm Guyon Raven, and you're going to say, I'm Phoenix LeFay, and we're going to say, we're the witches next door. Yeah, but we never start like that. You just said. <laughs> no, no, we don't. All right. Hello, Phoenix LeFay. Hello, Guyon Raven. Hey, everybody. It's Guyon Raven. And Phoenix LeFay. And we are... The, the witches, witches next, next door, door. or that? something. We're not the witches next door or something. <laughs> You're annoying me right now. <laughs> so uh, this clearly is an auspicious start. Uh, clearly, we've got a lot of professional <laughs> to uh, season four. This is season four of the witches next door. Welcome amazing. back. Amazing, <clears throat> isn't that amazing? Yes. We've had something like 10,000 downloads, I think, of the show so far, which is pretty crazy. That's weird. In a bunch of different countries and places, and we've had all sorts of guests on. And for this show, it's absolutely no different, except for the fact we have no guests I was going to say, we have a guest? Well, just you. The dog? Pete. Peter the dog. Yeah, she can come on the show. Spike doesn't want to be on the show. Mm. All right. So do you want to know about today's uh, subject? Yes. I mean, you can say no. I, I could say no, but you tell me anyway, so I might as well say yes. I'm not telling you. I'm telling the, our listeners, oh. all of them, the millions of people that follow the us. The tens of thousands. The ten of people that follow <laughs> us, yeah. <laughs> We're really starting off this season. <laughs> it's Just, amazing. It, I mean, scintillating yes. uh, podcasting, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, Phoenix, I thought I'd start with a, a very broad topic to kick off this season. That might lead into other very cool discussions down the road, mm. one hopes. Um, <clears throat> so over the last several months, you have been on a real book reading, Jack. Mm. And I mean, you read a lot of books, fantasy books, you know, books for pleasure, but you also read a lot of witchcraft books. Uh, some of them, I would imagine, well, why do you read a lot of witchcraft books? Let me start there. Well, I actually, this is a new thing because I read a lot of witchcraft books in my early days, in fact, uh, I was just talking to someone. I went to Temple Fest, and I mentioned to someone there that what's, what's Temple Fest? It's a um, conference uh, on the East Coast connected to a specific spiritual tradition that I can't remember the name of because I'm a terrible person. Wouldn't it be the Temple of Witchcraft? Yes, that's yeah, it. Thank that'd you. Be the one. Thank you. Yes, but it's one of the founders of this organization and this group is Christopher Penzak. And I said to someone at Temple Fest. Is it bad that I've never read a Christopher Benzak Have you really book? never read any of his books? No, because what I realized is in my early days, it was before Christopher Penzak was writing. And then I took a break from reading because you can only read so many intro to witchcraft books because mm. that's what most books are. <clears throat> yeah. And I didn't go into the old esoteric books because at you know 17, they were confusing and complicated and the language was old and I didn't like them. Yeah. And I took a really, I took decades off of reading and I would read one book occasionally about witchcraft yeah and then two years ago i don't even remember now so i had i started collecting old esoteric books like blavatsky's books and uh levi's books and even like alistair crowley right. and and even gerald gardner and doreen valiente i started collecting these older books that i'd never read because the language is boring 
and more challenging for me to read anyway. Uh, and I decided I was going to start reading these old books. And I read a couple Levi books, and I read a, uh, one Crowley book, Crowley book, uh, and Gardner. And then I decided because I, w- I would get bored. <laughs> so I have a Patreon, and I decided I'll start a book chat with my Patreon people, and then I'll be forced because if i have a deadline i do really good all right hold on just one sec yeah if anybody that's listening isn't a member of your patreon and they want to be we might as well do a plug you know for you sure i mean if if i'm phoenix lefay on all the things i'm phoenix lefay on patreon and i um every month i do a tarot overview reading for the month uh, I videotape it. I do spells. I do full moon and new moon rituals every month. I post them. I don't record them. I, I write them out. Um, I post random stuff. And then uh, depending on the tier level that you sign up for, I'll either do a one card tarot reading every month, a three card tarot reading every month, a candle spell every month, or I have subscription boxes where I do witchy stuff that I like this month that I'm excited about. So there's different things that you can do. But anyway, I also do a book chat every month. And so I started going through these esoteric, older... Like some of the, what you might consider like foundational books? Yeah, like we read... um, Now I can't remember any of them. We read a Crowley book. We read a Gardner book. We've read a a couple of Dion Fortune's books because she also wrote fiction. So um, I threw a few of those in there because they're, you know, quote unquote, esoteric fiction, right? So uh, that's why I've been reading a lot more of those books in the last couple of years because I have a desire to, now that I have a, a lot more experience than I did at 17, and I have a better understanding because of of the experience that I have. And I guess I'm just more mature, so the language makes more sense. I don't really know. Um, but they're much more interesting. And by forcing myself to have a deadline every month to finish a book a month, I've actually been doing that. So I've read quite a few um, older books. And then I've thrown in some newer ones, too. Like uh, we read The Crooked Path by Keldon a couple months ago. And this month we're reading American Brujeria by J. Allen Cross. And You read um, Trying for the Moon? Yes. Well, yes, yes. Oh. The the book chat read Triumph of the Moon. I still have not finished Triumph of the Moon. I have like a quarter of it left because it's thick AF. Well, you just better hope Professor Ronald Hutton isn't listening in as he usually does. Right. It's his favorite podcast it ever. It's all he listens it's to. It's true. Rages on and on about it. Yeah, no. <clears throat> so, yeah. It's- but you have read it. I- have you read it in the past? No. Oh, really? This was the first this time you was, read it. Yeah, and I, so I can't say that I've read it. I've, I've read three quarters of it. I'm still okay. working on it, but it's it's uh, right. it's dense and thick, and it requires me to digest. Mm. Like some of these other books, you need digestion time. Like you can only read so many pages, and then you need to sit with what you've read. Um, you know, not all the books are like that. Yeah. Gardner's books are trash because he was a terrible writer. So you don't really need to digest those. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're raising so many points for follow-up questions. <laughs> All right. So some of the books that you read were more sort of foundational, older books. By older, you mean like maybe written in the 50s, going back into like the beginning of the 20th century, Golden well, and the, Dawn. And the 80s. And ni- I mean, <clears throat> Triumph of the Moon was in the 90s, right? No, no, no. But you started off with the foundational stuff. Yeah. It's, I'm kind of skipping all over <clears throat> the place, to be honest, because yeah. I can't – like I couldn't read a Levi book every month. I would go numb in the head. Right, because mm. it's just it's old language. Yeah. So I've been mixing them up. Gotcha. So <clears throat> you read some of the again sort of early twentieth century stuff. Mm-hmm. Then you've read a bunch of mid twentieth century stuff. Yeah. And then 
Um, you read late 20th century stuff like Drawing Down the Moon. Was that yep, one of your yep. books? Mm-hmm. Right, Drawing that was the Down Margot the Margot Adler book from 1978. 78 nine. or 9, I think. Then. And um, then <clears throat> Mastering you... Witchcraft by Paul Hewson, yeah. which is 70s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And what else did you read that's more modern? So you said Keldon's oh my book, God, which I'd came out in the last... Get, I'd have to go look. Like, I, I don't remember. Thorns? Yeah. Uh, Thorn Mooney? Yeah, so we, re- we, the book chat, read the new one, not traditional Wicca, the, the one she wrote after traditional Wicca. My mind is blanking now. It's too many things you're asking me to remember. <laughs> but yeah, we read one of Thorn Mooney's books. Nice. All right. So... Uh, here's some questions for you. Mm. Not about any specific book. What's the value for you of going back and reading any books, really? Uh, but what's the value for you of reading? I'm going to split it into two halves. Mm-hmm. What's the value of reading, again, sort of some of those mid 20th century to late 19th century books? And then what's the value for you of reading more modern books, books by 19th century? Yeah. 1890s, yeah. You know that. Okay. The end I'm of that. just making sure I'm understanding the timelines. Yeah, talking. yeah. So the the, the so when late you say Victorian, modern, you're meaning like the the 20th century. No, I'm gonna say it again. Okay. Thank you. I'm getting <laughs> see too many numbers, too many names. I'm getting right. confused. ADHD. Hello. Mid 20th century would be like the 1950s and 60s, like Gerald Gardner, like Gerald Gardner and Doreen and whatnot. Yes. <clears throat> Early. 20th century, late 19th century is the like the 1890s, so the Golden Dawn era, mm. right? Crowley and <clears throat> Fortune. And- yeah, sort of that like 1880s to like 1920s mm-hmm. kind of ish. And then modern meaning like contemporary, yeah. like today. Like Keldon's book. Yeah, yeah. like Keldon's book or yeah. Thorne's book or yeah. whatever. So what's the value for you for reading like these older mid 20th century and back books. Well, I think I when I started this process, I think I wanted context and and history maybe is the word I want, I don't know. Uh, you know, so many practices that I follow, I know now because of the amount of time and and study and talking to other practitioners that I've done that they're really not that old of practices. They're not these pre-Christian practices that I thought they were in the 90s, right? Like that's what we were told in the 90s is that these are pagan traditions that never died out. They're pre-Christian. They were hidden in plain yeah, sight for and that's, 2,000 years. The the bulk of that is just simply not true, right? So I wanted to go back to, obviously, there's not pre-Christian writings, really, that I could read. I mean, maybe like the Old Testament or something. But the, I wanted to go back to older esoteric writings like Levi, for example, who maybe wasn't as um, hemmed in by this neo-pagan movement and was more about uh, magic and working magic and working with the elemental forces. And I just wanted a different perspective than the modern one. So that's why I went back to these older books. And then you know, the moving forward in time a little bit, like I wanted to see the origins of the modern practices, which is like, um, the Gospel of Aradia, that's probably, if I want to say, most mo- old modern. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and then Fortune, and then Gardner and Crowley, and then, you know, the feminist wave of the late 70s and the 80s that really shifted what modern witchcraft practices look like. I kind of wanted to read it for myself. So that's what I've been doing. Like, so that's- was the idea to sort of say, 
if I read stuff from the 1900s, mm-hmm. when I get to stuff in, from the 1940s, I can see what they built on. Yeah, and then when exactly. I read stuff from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, yeah, et cetera, you can see how. When was Levi? The 1700s, the 1600s? I can't remember. No, he's later than that. I can't, it's not, he's not later than that. Okay. Now I'm going to Google it. Um, I, I just, I wanted something that was not going to be impacted by. Well, really, the Gospel of Aradia, because I feel like that had more impact on what our modern practices look like than a lot of other stuff, right? Really? Why do you say that? Because if you read the Gospel of Aradia... Uh, which is by uh, Charles Leland? Yes. Right? Um, and what's the story that goes with that? I mean, the, the basic story is he went to Italy... Oh, you were right. 1800s, early yeah. 1800s. Yeah. So he went to Italy... I'm annoyed now. I thought it was 17 or 16. I can't remember dates for shit of me. So he was an American folklorist and he was into spirituality, right? I I don't really know why, but Americans are, we're just obnoxious. And so he goes to Italy and thinks he's discovered this tradition of witchcraft. He hears whispers of these, you know, people that practice witchcraft and, and always have. So he pays this informant, Matt Helena, to collect these stories and spells and rituals, supposedly. All of this is supposedly. Uh, and sh- many years later, many years later, she sends him a manuscript of the Gospel of Aradia, uh, which is rituals and spells that are from this part of Italy, supposedly, and that the story is um, the goddess Diana had never stopped being worshipped from ancient Rome. And her and Lucifer, right, the the devil, as modern people might know him, but he was the light bringer. He was known as a light bringer. They are brother and sister and have a baby together. That baby is Aradia, Aradia. And she is sent to Earth to teach people the left-handed path of magic, basically, how to do cursing work and banishing work and and spell work, because the people were very oppressed in this part of Italy when this story was given birth. And so she brought them these magical tools in order to fight against oppression, right? So Aradia has sort of become like this folk hero up until now still like she's this modern god i feel like she's a modern goddess i i don't believe that leland actually had an informant that gave him real information either it was embellished or mahalina made it up or whatever that's my opinion and i've argued with other people about this i know not everyone agrees with me and i don't think she made it up like maliciously no the only reason i say this and i think i've mentioned this on another show but so some of the folks in my family history are roma folks right we were traveling folks (laughs) and you know if a relatively wealthy quote unquote you know, folklorist or anthropologist American American came to me and said, I'll give you so many lira if you'll tell me your secrets. I'd come up with a lot of secrets. Well, there's there's moments of history over and over again where a wealthy folklorist or historian or archaeologist goes into a community and is like making it rain and people all of a sudden have all these stories to share. It's It's... Wealthy people taking advantage of poor people. That's period. Or, I mean, maybe we could say it the other way. Poor people taking advantage of wealthy people's stupidity. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
that, that's not the first nor the last time that something like that has happened, right? right. Like we could say, make <clears throat> the same argument for other yeah. folklorists' and, books. Uh, just uh, one thing that I would just just say because I think it's interesting to note: were there folk practices in Italy? Absolutely, hundred percent. There are still those, are right, and are those folk practices, you know, uh, quite ancient? However, you define ancient, a few hundred years, maybe a thousand years. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. that's not quite the same thing no. as saying there's an unbroken line of witches from worshiping the, Diana, worshiping Diana. Right, so. right. But if you read the Gospel of Radio, which is a very interesting book, it's almost a misnomer because it's full of rituals for Diana. Aradia is spoken about very little in the book. But you can see other writers, including Gardner and all the way up into modern times, people taking word for word what is written in the Gospel of Aradia and transplanting it into their rituals or their books or their letters or their whatevers. You know, like you can see the charge of the goddess that all of us witches sort of use as a prayer or a poem and has been rewritten by Amber Kay and Starhawk and you know, Doreen Valiente is the originator, quote unquote. Huge pieces of that poetry were taken out of the Gospel of Aradia, right? Because copyright laws were not the same. Sure. Right. <laughs> and and I didn't know that. For decades I didn't know that. And when I read Aradia, I was like, oh, well, now we can see where the, I can see where this comes from and this comes from and this comes from. So then the question becomes, well, Leland was into the esoteric. So did he get did he make this up? Did Madalena make this up? Did someone else make this up? Did he get this from another source? Because he read Levi and he read all those other esoteric writers. And um, like there's some saints and St. Germain and St. What's that other saint's name? I don't know. There's a bunch of saints who are doing crazy magic, right? So I want to I want to get further to the source. Like who first made this up? Because ultimately everything we do and practice, someone made it up. Did I make it up? Maybe. Did Starhawk make it up? Maybe. Did Leland make it up? Maybe. But if I can follow the breadcrumbs, maybe I can find who originally made it up. Probably not, but I could get older and older. And it just makes me curious because I do want to know the origins of some of these things. I do care. I don't think it makes it better or it makes me a better practitioner. I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you're you don't ascribe to the theory of older is better. You're just curious. I used to ascribe to that. I mean, that was the whole reason, right? Like, well, witchcraft is pre-Christian, so therefore it's more powerful and better, right? And Christianity tried to stamp it out and couldn't. Like that's you know, I was a, an angry teenager who was flipping my middle finger to the status quo, right? Now I don't think that older is better because I've done a ritual that we wrote yesterday that was the most powerful thing I've ever experienced. That doesn't mean it's not valid or good or magical, right? Everything was made up at some point. So my theory now has changed from older is better to what works. Mm. Yeah. What what works is better. Yeah. So, all right. <clears throat> so uh, I'm going to ask you questions about going backwards and going forwards. Okay. Uh, so you got back to sort of the the 19th century, the 1800s. Mm-hmm. I've read books that were written in and around the Renaissance, mm-hmm. uh, written in Italy. Um, uh, Mario Ficini is the mm-hmm. Ficilio is the one that comes to mind, and I have a lot of his works. Interesting because he wrote a lot about astrology and alchemy, yes. which were sort of the the new sciences of the yes. time, if you yeah. will. Yeah. 
and the he, he was writing translations from works that came again allegedly from Jerusalem mm-hmm. or um you know other other places in the world you know manuscripts that had allegedly been saved from the library of alexandria right. which you know again was that true probably right. not right. but translating it's a, story. it's a lovely story <laughs> right but he translated uh, documents for the medicis basically yeah. what was interesting about his work is that um he was sort of saying um now uh, none of this is true because if it was true, it would be heresy, and right. I'm not a and heretic. And I don't want you to burn me at the stake. I don't want to be burned at the stake. <laughs> but here's what those people believed, and then like yeah. lays out all yeah. of these fantastic belief structures, yeah. which really are, I think, the basis of what most of us practice today. Well, and I am curious to read that person, Fedici, Fenici, Feducci, Fenicini, whatever his name is. That's right, Mario Fettuccini. I there are and there are there there. I, I know that the next like well I'm going to fall into is alchemy because that's that's the science and magic of the of that time so of those go back few to hundred like, years like John D. Yeah, actually, I and have Agrippa. the works of John D. I have the works of Agrippa. Those are all on my to be read pile, right? Like, so you're still going backwards. I'm still going backwards. I'm kind of like skipping around, right? You like, know, you're going to end up with Plato, right? Sure. I mean, I don't know that, that that's but sure. About as far back as you can go. But you know, I feel like I feel like all magical practitioners who want to be more well-rounded are going to end up on an alchemy kick at some point or really? another. Why do you think that? Because that's where a lot of the things we do come from. That like I said, that was the science and the magic of the time. Uh and and it was written in code and we still write our books of shadows in code. You know what I mean? Like it was written the the scientists believed that what they were doing was so important and powerful that it couldn't just be given to average people. It had to be encoded so only those who knew how to read it could follow it, right? Like all of the the artwork and the alchemical marriage and the sun and the dragon, like all of these things that are coded. And I'll, I find all of that very fascinating. But you know, I think I think that there's more magic in it. And it's sort of been like poo-pooed, you know, by the modern science anyway. Yeah. So just uh, for anyone that's listening that actually wants to go look this stuff up, his real name is not Mario Fettuccini. Uh, It's Marsilio Ficino. Ficino, that's right. Ficino, right. right. And um, in Latin, that would be uh, Marcellus Ficinus. And he was around from about 1430 to about 1500. Uh, He was a scholar. Uh, he was a Catholic priest at one point. Um, he is probably what's considered to be one of the most uh, influential humanist philosophers mm-hmm. um, of the Renaissance, right? Like he really began to bring this out. He was also an astrologer and revived Neoplatonism mm. or tried to revive it. Again, you have to keep in mind sort of the world that he was living in at the time and what he could say. And there are several defenses that he wrote to his work because people were like, wait, you're an astrologer. You're saying this is outside of the realms of God. You're saying that right. the planets do this, not God. And you, you know, that obviously was heresy at the time. So some of his work is like, no, no, no. I'm not saying this is true. I'm just saying that's what those people believed. And here's the system and here's why they came up with it. He also tried to revive a Neoplatonist academy, like Plato had an academy. Mm -hmm. So I think ultimately when you start reading Ficino, what you'll end up reading Mm -hmm. is um, uh, is Neoplatism and then 
places. Well, and I think it's likely that a lot of what we're going to find in, from a Western perspective is going to go back to ancient Greece, yeah, right? Course, because yeah. that's the birthplace of all of this bullshittery. I'm curious about like the the Middle Eastern mystics and the astrologers of the Middle East where all this shit originated, right? Like, Well, uh, and that's like the works that um, Ficino first translated, like yeah. some of his big translations, the big pieces that the Medicis were like, okay, give it, we found this book. Yeah. Now interpret this book. And it was works like the works of uh, uh, Homie's Tribe, Miss and things like Trist that. Trismegustus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it was like these. <laughs> yeah, like, and that's the other one, Hermes Trismegustus. Like I, I want... Like I'm ready for that. And you his know? handbags are great. Yes, <laughs> that that's a very that's a reference that one person. I know it's a get. very small joke, a very <laughs> tiny. Anyway, so yeah, I've just like I wanna, I want, I want more, I want more because I feel like my modern practice is what it is, and and that's going to continue to grow and develop and be what it is, and I'm going to learn new things or try new things or experiment, but I want to know what's already been experimented, right? And I want to know why this one, why why do we still cast a freaking circle, right? Like, you know, I wrote this book about uh, creating rituals and what it's really done writing this book has made me question why. Why are we casting circles? Why do we invoke the elements? Like, oh my God, humans are so annoying. The elements are here. We don't need to invite them and thank them. Yeah. Right, like I'm, I'm just questioning all of these things. So I'm, I, I want to go back and see what. Uh, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Questioning because you don't believe them anymore, or your belief has changed about them, or you're just like bored of ritual structure, or are you one of those people like me? Like when somebody says, "Well, this is how it's always been done," no. my first question is to go, "Well, what? no, I'm not like you at all." If someone's like, "This is how it's done," I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> 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 no, I'm not. It's not that. Um, it's probably a little bit of all of the other stuff though. Really? Um, yeah, like, uh, I just, I'm really noticing as I get older, human hubris and how we, humans, we just think we're the greatest. We think we're the bee's knees, we're the, the awesomeness, we're the top of the pyramid and we ain't. And I recognize that more and more as I get older. And so I'm seeing these practices and these, you know, a lot of what we do too comes from ceremonial magic based off of Levi and some of these Which other writers. Which is also writers. a really cool set of practices. It is, but it's human hubris. It's it's It angers me. I'm going to make this circle, and then I'm going to make a circle over there, and I'm going to invoke a demon and then force it to do my bidding. Well, fuck you, human. Like that. I don't like that. I don't like the manipulation of spiritual forces. I don't like the using of spiritual forces, even if it's a demon. Like, what does demon even mean, right? So I'm just questioning, like, humans and how we think we're so freaking awesome and we think we're controlling the guardian of the watchtower of the West. Like, it's just like, why does the Christian God give a crap about you and your one human problems? He's probably got a lot more going on. <laughs> He's hearing millions of people begging for his help right? We're just humans are ridiculous. So I'm just questioning those things. Like why, why do I say hail and welcome to the water when I can feel my mouth filled with spit right now? Water is already here. Yeah. You know, it's just that. Yeah. 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 I love it. Okay. So you have read, generally speaking, let's say 1900 to like 1990, 
right? Kind of like that was sort of the range of books originally that you, like the historical quote unquote mm. books that you read. Then you've decided to move on to, um, your readings, like you mentioned, so newer books. So, mm. um, still in that same period, like you read some, uh, Robert Cochran stuff, which is again in that 1950s. Yeah, I'm, and I'm still reading Cochran stuff, right? Like right. Jason Minky was kind enough to let me borrow his books of the Cochran letters. But they're intense, so I can't just – and plus, they're hard to find, so I'm not putting them on the book chat. Otherwise, I would have yeah, finished yeah. them by now. Um, you know, they're, they're 500, They're $500, right? You can't just, like, mm. go on Amazon and get a copy. So I'm still reading that stuff, right? But it's in smaller doses. So some of the newer books that you've read. So not, you mean, like, this time? Like, contemporary yes. right now. Yeah. So uh, Thorn Mooney's books mm-hmm. um, um, and Keldon – uh, who's, who wrote a great book. Um, and, uh, let me see who else. Ronald Hutton was in there, although that was from the what, late 90s, Ronald early Hutton, 2000s. J. Allen Cross. I'm reading, uh, Jenna Talendru's new book, The Ninefold Way of Avalon right now, which oh. I'm loving. All right. So tell me of, <laughs> of without giving like a book review. Yeah. Cause I don't want to do that. Right. What is it that you like about what uh, Thorn Mooney, for yeah. instance, like what is it that she's added to your practice or stripped away from your practice mm-hmm. or crystallized for you? Same thing with Keldon. Like what was it that you found? Well, I again? mean, I, I think that's, a, it's honestly a really difficult question to answer because I am a little stodgy and stuck in my own ways. Mm. And, and I don't I, know that I've ever heard you say that. And being that you're a stubborn ass Taurus. I am. Yeah. I, I'm surprised I, to hear you say that about I your own magic. Ad- no, I can't admit that. That for sure. But I also own a metaphysical shop where I buy books. And so I feel an obligation to know mm. what is in those books. And I trust, I know a lot of authors. Like, honestly, that's one of the best things about being published is that I've met so many great authors. And when I get to know them, I have more faith in what they've written, whether I've read it or not. <laughs> I, I will say, and I'm going to come back to the question in a minute. Yeah. But like, so some of my favorite books that I've read over the last few years mm-hmm. are literally by people that I know and love and right. care for. And I'm just going to name a few people right now because these are books that I thoroughly endorse. Maybe not every word of every, you know, sentence mm-hmm. that they wrote, but like, as human beings, as magical practitioners. So I will read anything by Storm Fairy Wolf. I adore Storm mm-hmm. and I think his work is great. Uh, Devin Hunter, mm-hmm. I also like his work. And I love some of the more picture style books that he's written. His in. newer stuff is Yeah, his newer beautiful. stuff is really beautiful mm-hmm. stuff. Um, I, I feel like I'm talking about people that will live together, but uh, Matt Oren. Yeah, let's just go to the House of Forlocks. Right, Matt Oren and Chaz Bogan, right. they're all great. They're yeah. all very good writers yeah. on, on very different subjects. I mean, Psychic Witch, which is Matt's book, is nothing like anything that right. that Devin wrote or that Chaz wrote or that uh, Storm wrote. Um Moving away from people that all live together, <laughs> <laughs> which is wonderful. They are amazing. Um, I really appreciate, uh, Laura Tempest Zakroff's books. Yes, me too. Um, Thorne Mooney's books. I adore. Interestingly enough, I think Thorne gets a lot of stick because she writes, uh, in a very specific lane. And I think people keep asking her to write outside of her lane. Mm. Uh, and she hasn't yet. And, uh, she might be, but I, I really like how deeply she'll go down a nerdy hole. That's mm-hmm. what I love about Thorn. Um, 
uh, Keldon's books, mm-hmm. also very good, mm-hmm. like those. Um, gosh, who else? Jason Mankey, of course. Of course yeah. uh, love Jason. Australia Taylor. Mm-hmm, These yeah. are other folks. That, you know, Heron Michelle, she wrote like this Dude, Heron fucking Michelle, massive book. Her right? book is like Levi's book, to be honest. It's on my to-be-read pile because it's I, – I actually – um, attended one of her workshops at Paganicon, and uh, I was elemental like, "Elemental witchcraft." Yeah, I was like, "Whoa!" Like this chick is in it. Like she's like it's it's deep. If, and, and you know, Heron. We, we, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so I actually haven't read her book yet. It's on my to be read bookshelf because my my to be read pile is a whole bookshelf up yeah. to itself. J.L. Mascara is now on the book. Yeah, yeah, but, on your list. but because I've met these people, whether I've read their books or not, I'm more likely to carry them and endorse them because I know them as practitioners, mm. right? So I felt like I need to actually start reading some of these books and becoming more familiar with them. And so it's given me a peek into other pra- modern practices that are different than my own. Um, it ha- I don't know that I've necessarily changed my view on anything, but it's filled in some gaps. It's answered some questions like, you know, excuse me, sorry, uh, over the last not even decade, less than a decade, there's been this traditional witchcraft movement. Mm. And it's, a you know, mostly based in the UK and these supposed traditional witchcraft practices of the folk medicine and folk magic and folk people, right? Uh, and that's become like the new older is better crap that I don't like, right? But a lot of the books, like Keldon's book, is is from a traditional witchcraft perspective. I've read a few of Gemma Gary's books, which are from a traditional witchcraft perspective. It's different than the way I practice. It's not Wicca adjacent, right? It's different. And a lot of it's the same. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that has been interesting to sort of fill in the gaps, right? And the book I'm reading right now American Brujeria by J. Allen Cross is so vastly different than what I thought it was going to be. It's it's a Catholic folk magic book. Really? It, yeah. Like it's. I feel like it's misnamed. I feel like it should be called Catholic folk magic. It's still interesting and fascinating, but it ain't my bag. Like you know, I'm not. I'm not going to the Catholic Church to do my magic. But I love it. I love reading about this like subversive magical practice that exists in the American Mexican communities that is just normal. I love it. It's great, but it's definitely not going to change the way it practice. You know, it's filling in blanks. It's giving me more information. And ultimately I am a witchcraft and magic nerd and I want to know all the things. Yeah. So just so you, you know about this, like literally (laughs) Phoenix and I Mm. and Thorn Mooney and, uh, Jason and Ari Mankey were also on this trip, but they were sitting in a slightly different area to us. But it's from London to Edinburgh. It's about four hours. A little less than that, but yeah. On the train. Yep. And <laughs> we talked mm-hmm. for three and a half hours, mm-hmm. basically. About witchcraft. About witchcraft. Yeah. Like it's, just in one sitting. It's my favorite thing to talk about. Like someone... One of my dear friends uh, is came up with this great idea that I'm not going to share because I don't want someone to steal the idea, but it's a, related to deity. And she's like, I'm hoping I can pick your brain. And I was like, hell yes. Like, I will talk about witchcraft, gods, mythology. Like, th- I love all of this stuff. I could talk about it forever. I've made my whole career these topics, right? So, yeah, I love it. All right. So, um, 
the newer books that you've been reading by contemporary authors, mm-hmm. people that write for the same publisher as you that are asking you to blurb their books mm-hmm. or, or blurbing your books, mm-hmm. you know, what have you. What you're finding is... A blurb, is, by the way, is an endorsement. An endorsement, it's when yeah. It's before your book goes to publish, you send it out to people and go, please read this and say why it's amazing. <laughs> and then people write a little paragraph about why your book's amazing and why other people should read it. Yeah, it's called a blurb. Yeah, a little advertisement. So. Yeah. Um, so what you're discovering is that uh, there's lots of different ways to practice witchcraft. Yes, that, yeah, I already knew that, but yes. Well, well yeah, I'm just sort of encapsulating <laughs> yeah, this, right? Yeah. Lots of different ways to practice witchcraft. Yes. Um, there are a great number of similarities, even in what appear to be very disparate traditions mm-hmm. or traditions that hold themselves to be different. A lot of their practices, once you take all of the family tree branches back, sort of go back to some common roots. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and in some ways that is exciting for you. Mm-hmm. It's filling in gaps. It's giving you ideas of, um, why some practices developed and why yeah. some have fallen by the wayside. And I think from, you know, from, to be like really transparently honest for a second, there's probably also an ego part of this where I'm like, ha ha, I know that this comes from this book. And so I am therefore smarter than everyone. <laughs> I love that voice. Say more things in that voice. <laughs> no. Please, please, you want, to, uh, so you want some avocado toast right now in that voice. No. I want some avocado toast. <laughs> no. No, but there, you know, there is that little part of me that's like, ha ha ha, you know. Yeah. Have you felt, have you had any of those aha moments where you've put like two or three things together and gone, oh, that's why we call the Watchtower? Yeah. So, Le- reading Levi especially brought a lot of that forward. But, really? but again, I think this is age. A lot of this stuff doesn't stick in my brain, mm. right? So, like, I even reading like Keldon's book, we read The Witch's Sabbath right? Because Keldon has two or three books out now. So it was not a book of how to practice. It was a book of witch trial history, really, which I was fascinated by. But I wrote, I took um, like little page markers and made hundreds of page marks because I want to go back or look at that or read more about it or reference it. And I'm not going to remember, right? So even Levi's book, which, which I read, the thick one I read two or three years ago, like most of that's gone, right? Like I couldn't pull a quote out or specifically name, but I remember when reading it, I was like, oh, 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 all of these. One of the things that you were saying about some of the older books, mm-hmm. like the turn of the century, last century books, was there was a lot of misogyny in there, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, the big shock. Right. And then another big thing was this idea of the polarity, mm-hmm. which again, in its time was uh, groundbreaking mm-hmm. and quite new but this idea of like male and feminine energy mm-hmm. um much of which came from teachings from uh india southeast right. asia right. places like that as again at that time of the world there was a big fetishization right of um those cultures, right. right? And there were lots of gurus and mystics coming from those parts yep. of the world to the US, to yep. the UK, and yep. going on massive speaking tours. And so some of that also got incorporated. Well, and into even well, like right? if you get deeper into those practices, like understanding Shakti Shiva and like all of it's so interesting and fascinating and much bigger than the like whitewashed, watered down version that Westerners 
have access to or believe or think mm-hmm. or like yoga or whatever, you know, it's so watered down. Uh, but you know, that's a whole other culture that you could get lost in for the rest of your life. Right. Like, yeah. 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 Okay. So what, uh, so what? So what? you've, so for the last couple of years, you've been doing this book club. I've been wasting my life <laughs> reading books about witchcraft. No, you have, <laughs> I don't know, probably 10 books on your to-be-read pile. Oh, more than that. And probably 100 books that you could easily pick up and start reading. We've probably, between us, got a 1,000 books, maybe more. I don't know. Oh, yeah, and I haven't read nearly all of them. Or all of them in a while. Right. right? You know, so um, what's the fascination? Like, really, what's the fascination? What is it that keeps you coming back to all of these books? I have no idea. It's just the thing I'm interested in. Really? Yeah. It's just, I mean, since the first witchcraft book I picked up at 15 or 16, however old I was, like I just, like it's never stopped being interesting. What was that book? I honestly don't remember. I've made up different stories about what the book was because there was like, I actually, I think, I think the first books, there was three books I bought the first time. One of them was Love Magic by Jarena Dunwich because I wanted to get a boy. Like that was part of this broken heart that I was experiencing. When you were 15. Yeah. There was the Malice Maleficarum. Oh, okay. That's a pleasant little book. Actually, maybe it was called Witchcraft and Demonology, Mm. but it still, it was a like, witches are bad type of book. And then I don't remember the third book. Like it might have been Buckland's Book of Witchcraft. It might have been. I thought it was Amber Kay's book. No, that was later because my friend and I, Nicole, we went to a local bookstore and we bought that book together. Like I remember that moment, right? Mm. Um, But So I don't know. I say it was Buckland's book. The big blue book? Yeah, but I don't know that that's 100% true. The version that we have on the bookshelf now. Yeah, the ripped and... Ripped and torn and dog-ended. That's the one. That's the one. So you've had that since 1995-ish? Something like that. Six-ish, something like that? Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. That's pretty cool. All right, so if someone... So we've talked a lot about books. And we've talked a lot about you, your fascination with books. And we've talked about a, a lot about you digging into various books so that you can learn about different traditions, learn about different perspectives, learn about the similarities and the differences between traditions and are curious to go back and back and back and back to whatever it is that you can go back and back to. Mm -hmm. Right. So uh, talk about books. Uh, Like, I mean, as an author, the value of books for you is a little bit different because uh, everybody who's listening should buy all of Phoenix's books <laughs> so that she gets her dollar, which is a about dollar, yes. what you earn for every book you write yeah. or every book that's sold. Um, yeah, sold. Or 50 cents if you download it and listen to it on Audible or wherever. <laughs> um, but um, what's the value for you in books? Like one of the big complaints is there's never any next level books or second level books. And then when somebody does write a second level book, the critiques are usually like, this is crap, right? This doesn't well, tell don't... me anything. So what for you, what's the value second, of books? I don't think second level books exist. Um, there's only so much you can do from a book, right? Like, what, what do you mean? The reason there aren't Wicca 202 books or whatever, or, you know, like advanced witchcraft practices, 
all those practices are just going to be building on the original practices. It's the same shit. It's just now you have more experience. It's, it, witchcraft is not a spectator sport. It's not an, you can't be an armchair pagan. You can't just read books. You have to actually do things. Because we're an orthopraxic uh, religion or practice rather than orthodoxy, right? We're a, right. we're a, a craft of doers. In yes. fact, I love the idea, you know, the, the phrases which craft, which implies some art, right? Right. Some industry, some right. doing. Right. So yeah. I'm not reading books to have like revelation. I don't think, um, it's more about education and curiosity because I feel like I've, I, I have a really firm grasp of the foundation. I feel really comfortable with the base practices and why we do them and how we do Cause them. Cause you've been doing them for 30 years. Right. Uh, right. So, but I, I think the advanced work is in the doing and the learning your own way and the forming your own paths. Which and is the, why it's hard to write a, you, a, it's impossible. an advanced book because it's, it's you very have to do it. you have to do it and it's very individual. Can just, you give the example? I think this illustrates it. When you were younger, mm-hmm. 20s maybe, you read the Witch's Bible, mm-hmm. right? The um uh Farah book, mm-hmm. right? And at the time it was difficult. It was boring. Uh, it was boring. And then you started practicing and then you came back and read that book many years later and then all of a sudden you're like, "Oh, now I get it. Yeah. I think that that's a nice example. Can you just explain a little bit about well, that? Well, yeah. So I, I've had the Witch's Bible on my bookshelf forever. And I read it. I started to read it. when It's also a thick tome, right? I started to read it when I was younger and it was boring. It was just, it's just ritual liturgy after ritual liturgy. It doesn't give a lot of explanation or why or what's supposed to happen. It's just like the high priestess says this and then the, the covenors say this and then burr, burr, burr. it's freaking boring. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so boring to twenty year old you. Yes, boring. I mean, sure. Yes, let's be polite. Boring to twenty year old me, and twenty year old me didn't have a lot of practice or experience. Right, I was reading rituals out of books, and I went to a few public rituals, which were very focused on the reclaiming tradition of witchcraft. I didn't have experience beyond any of that, and it took a while to get that experience, which most people don't want to hear. Like this, nothing changes overnight. It takes time. These things take time. And so, it, and honestly, it, it wasn't, I don't even remember when I picked up the book again, probably 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, maybe. And then I understood the context of the rituals because I had had more experience and I had tasted other traditions way of doing things. And I understood what the ritual was. I, I had more context because I'd experienced it, right? So then it was a much different book. I, it wasn't revelatory. It didn't blow my mind, but I was like, oh, I get this now. Now I'm curious to read it because I'm curious to read these rituals, not because I think it's going to change my practice. You know? Gotcha. So the value of books for you is what? About 1995. Now, what's the value of the- uh- I don't know. Learning is good. <laughs> <laughs> Really? That's where you went. Learning is good. I guess. I don't know. Wow. Okay. I like books. I've always liked books. Even before witchcraft, I loved books. I've read a million books before I found witchcraft. So all of the Sweet Valley Twins and Sweet Valley High books, all of Anna Green Gables, every Stephen King book in existence in 1994, read them all. You are a big book reader. Now you're a big book listener as well, right? Yeah, I've been, this year I've been doing both. So I've read a lot of books this year, if you count Audible as reading, yeah. which I do. 
Yeah. All right, Phoenix. So, <laughs> blah, uh, blah, blah. Uh, if you were going to, of all of the books that you've read in the last couple of years that were witchcraft related, yeah. So, as opposed to the fiction books, mm. what book would you recommend that somebody pick up and read today? I mean, apart from all of your books, <laughs> just, just my books. They're like the best. <laughs> Paul Hewson, Mastering Witchcraft. Really? I know, right? Shocking. I am surprised that you said that. Why? Because it's really interesting. It's a different view than most modern practitioners, I think. It's subversive. It talks about left-hand magic a little bit. It's much more interesting than some of the other books. And Triumph of the Moon is really good, too, but it's thick and I haven't finished it. Yeah. Yeah. Paul Hewson is now, I think, living in France. Uh, and I think he's uh, he's about 90, 91 right. now. Posts on Instagram a lot. He's incredibly fit. He's a, a great artist. He's still very dynamic in his life, which is fantastic. But that book you write was written in the 70s. early 1970s, mm-hmm. I think. So, And there's several versions of it. And you've got like three different copies. You've got a, an original, I think, in like the oh, yellow. I don't, I don't know. Uh, cover and yeah yeah i don't know i know i mean anytime i'm at a thrift store or a garage sale or whatever and i see a book about witchcraft i buy it even if i already have it so i've got a ridiculous amount of books yeah yeah. even if they're crappy or if i wouldn't recommend them 21 lessons of merlin yeah or if i know that the author dj conway's dragon magic dj conway (laughs) she's so impacted me or if i know the writer is like a racist or a turf i still will get the book from a used bookstore because i'm like oh i will save the others from this trash and you know sadly especially when it comes to some specific lineages there's a lot of good information in some of those books it's just the author is a terrible human right and then that brings us to that whole conversation of art and artist and blah 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 but yeah 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 well, Phoenix, here we are. This is the opening episode of uh, season four of The Witches Next Door. Mostly it was about why Phoenix reads books. <laughs> to escape reality. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you read your fiction books. I did read all of The Witcher books this summer. All right. Okay, we got, we got uh, a minute left. What did you love about The Witcher's books, apart from probably imagining what's his bucket the whole time? What's his name? Cavill. Henry Cavill. Yeah. Yeah, he is quite yeah. dreamy. Yeah, he's, he looks a lot like me. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I've been told. 100%. Most people confuse me with him all the time. Yeah, it's the hair. <laughs> yeah, and the muscles <laughs> and the height and the dashing good looks. You know, all the things that I've got. <laughs> uh, so anyway, what what did you love about The Witch? Like for comp- well, I love fantasy is my favorite genre. So, yeah. Just, yeah, monsters and fairies and elves and... Sword fighting and magic. Does he say fuck a lot in the book? No, he curses. He curses. It never says fuck. It always says Because in, the, in curses. the movie, or I mean in the TV show, yeah. like every third sentence he goes, yeah. fuck. Yeah, which is appropriate, but yeah. yeah. They're good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, there you go. That was a nice endorsement for whoever the <laughs> fuck wrote those books. Yeah, next on my list is to reread Interview with the Vampire. Really? Yeah. Really? Really? All right, that's it. So season four, first episode in the book, an entire episode about Phoenix talking about books. Sorry about that, you guys. None of which were hers. But fascinating nonetheless, I think. So, um, all right, um, our next episode, uh, we will be talking about something else, not books. One, there you go. Isn't that informative? Yeah, so tune in to our next episode, which will be about something 
not about books. books. Right. So if you think to yourself, I need more books. This don't listen not be to the next episode. <laughs> if you think, oh God, anything I, but books. I just listened to an entire hour of Phoenix talking about books. For fuck's sake, I hope the next episode isn't about books. Then this is for you. You're in for a treat. <laughs> Clearly, we have a well-developed program, which I absolutely love. All right, uh, that's it from the witches next door. This is Guion Raven saying, uh, "Enjoy your books, or don't, as the case may be." <laughs> Phoenix, what do you want to leave people with? Peace out. Well, that was lovely. Thanks. See ya.